morning, everyone. Greetings in Jesus' name. All you young people this morning, um, those who attend here regularly, welcome back from Bible school, and all you visiting people, welcome here. Good to have you here. All right, um, title of this message this morning is Investment Opportunities. Let me turn to Matthew 25. We all know what an investment is, I'm sure. Um, Generally speaking, we understand investments to be in the form of money, but it doesn't have to be money or or something purchased with money necessarily. An investment is an asset or item acquired with the goal of generating income or appreciation, an appreciation meaning an increase in value. What are you invested in? Don't we all wish we had invested uh, say in Bitcoin when it was only worth $50, and today it's worth $69,000. 20 shares of that would be quite lucrative. You probably have seen advertisements from banks and investment groups saying guaranteed investment return. There are safe investments, or you could say some safer than others, like real estate or gold perhaps, but um, really in the world we live, there are no real safe Guaranteed investments. Inflation rate is high, and of course, living costs are high. We all know what that's about right now. Everyone fears that a recession is brewing, and of course, with all the wars and rumors of wars, there's a lot of uncertainty in the world, and we really have no guarantee. This morning, I'm not um, going to be talking about investments of this nature necessarily, and I'm not going to be giving you advice on what business venture to start, what real estate to buy, or any other investment. However, as we think about spiritual investments, there is no way we can ignore our um, earthly investments. It really tells a whole lot about us and where our hearts are. I'd like to read Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30. Matthew 25, verse 14 For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country, who called his own servants, and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same, and made them over five talents. And likewise he that had received two, he also gained other two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth, and hid his Lord's money. And after a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. He also that had received Two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art an hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid, and went and hid thy talents in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, and gather where I have not strawed. 
all this therefore to put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him, and give it unto him which hath ten talents. For unto every one that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. All right, what is Jesus trying to teach his disciples through this um, parable? Um, what does he want us to learn from it today? I believe there's a lot for us here, and I hope you can be challenged like I was as I studied for it. I think sometimes we associate this parable with the uh, modern English version of talent, uh, of skills and abilities, as the word talent in today's language mainly refers to. But in this case, it is referring to weight and the value of a talent varied as to whether it was gold, silver, or copper. At any rate, it was monetary value. Why did Jesus use money um, to describe what he is talking about? Probably because it is very important to us. And money is likely one of the most understood commodities across the world. Richard Halverson said this, Jesus Christ said more about money than about any other single thing because when it comes to a man's real nature, money is of first importance. Money is an exact index to a man's true character. All throughout the scripture, there is an intimate correlation between the development of a man's character and how he handles his money. Christ is teaching his followers that we are to be faithful in whatever he gives us, whether a gift, ability, responsibility, or blessing. It doesn't have to be just money. And the list could go on. All that we have is from God, and we need to be good stewards of what he has given us. How are you investing what God has given you? First of all, let's look at a basic outline of this passage, and then we'll try to move into some practical applications. The kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country. We know that Jesus after he brought the kingdom to, of heaven to mankind here on earth, he ascended up into heaven, where he is sitting at the right hand of the Father in Acts 2, and 35. Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted, and then the Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand until I make thy foes thy footstool. In John 14, verses 2 and 3, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. He has entrusted us, his servants, to continue the work, and he will stay there until they complete his work. He called his servants, that's, that's you and me, and gave each of his servants a different portion, five talents, two talents, and one talent. What are the goods that Christ has entrusted to us? The gifts, abilities, responsibilities. We'll look deeper into those later on. Um, the servants are given the very same mission and work that Christ had, to minister to the souls of men, to the desperate, to the needy in the world. Why a different portion? The point is that no one is left out, and we all have a special talent, a special gift, a special responsibility. Ephesians 4, verse 7, But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. It says also that the Lord gave to each servant according to his ability. I think this is a point that every person struggles with, probably. 
Life seems so unfair sometimes. No two servants have the same ability. Um, We have environment, opportunity, heritage, training, mind, heart, discipline, initiative, genes, chromosomes. These are all factors of how God endures his goods or his gifts to us. Another point to remember is that all these things that we feel are our personal gifts and personal rights are simply just entrusted to us. They are not our own. Matthew 25, verse 15, that's in our uh, scriptures this morning. And unto one he gave five talent, to another two, and to another one. To every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. And then 1 Corinthians 4, verse 7, For who maketh thee to differ from another? And what hast thou that thou didst not receive? Now if thou didst receive it, why dost thou glory as if thou hadst not received it? God endures his goods or his gifts as he wills, knowing each servant or each one of us perfectly. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 11, But all these worketh that one and the selfsame spirit, dividing to every man severally or as exactly as he will. Each servant receives all the gifts he needs and can use. Romans 12, verses 4 through 8, For, we, for as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one member is one of another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence. He that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. And 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 through 7, Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. Each servant has equal opportunity to be faithful in using what God has given him. We are to be judged on our faithfulness, not on the number of gifts or the size of work we are assigned. Matthew 16, verse 27, For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. 1 Peter 1, verse 17, And if you call on the Father, who without respect to persons judgeth according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. You know, as we think about God's blessings, about what he bestows on us, his goods to us, um, there there are many wonderful facts to remember, and I think I have about four here. We are God's. We are his own. We're his very possession. Isaiah 43, verse 1, I have redeemed thee. I called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. Also, he will take care of us. He gives us all these special and unique gifts, abilities, and responsibilities to look after, but he promises to help us do it. In fact, he gives us exactly what we need to do it and to have purpose, meaning, and significance in life. He conforms us to the very image of himself. Matthew six thirty-three. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Luke eleven thirteen. If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? John 10, verse 10. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. 
Jeremiah 24, verse 7. And I will give them a heart to know me, that I am the Lord, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God, for they shall return unto me with their whole heart. We also have the promise that the church is taken care of by Christ. God's people will prosper. He has provided all that is needed to move forward and advance for the cause of Christ. Ephesians 4, verses 11 through 13. And he gave some apostles and some prophets, and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Moving on now and looking at the servants, uh, we notice how the servants treated the Lord's goods differently. Two of them took their responsibility seriously, very seriously. In order for them to double their investment, they must have wasted no time and got to work. When we are young and even middle-aged, I think it's something we face, especially when we were young, um, and that is to look into the future and to feel that we have lots of time. Lots of time to invest even our time and our energy. We'll do that when we are older. I was talking with an older acquaintance um, several years ago. I'm not sure, sure why we were even talking about that subject, but it was about life savings. And he started some type of savings account or investment when he was a teenager and was explaining how just a little bit at a time and perseverance, it pays off. And if you do some calculations, and it's for you young people to think about possibly, um, how many of you could spare $200 a month? For 50 years till you're 65 or 70, and assuming you're making 4% interest, that would add up to like $375,000. I didn't do research and see what the going interest rates are right now, or neither do I know what you can afford $200 a month. Maybe that's high, maybe it's low. But there are variables, but the point is let's not waste our spiritual investments. We start now. So God has entrusted to us, and let's get to work. Maybe we can more than double our investments if we start right now. Right now, when, right now with what God has given to us, whether it's one talent or two or five. Quote from Randy Alcorn, Whenever we think like owners, it's a red flag. We should be thinking like stewards, investment managers, always looking for the best place to invest the owner's money. Romans 12, verse 11, Not slothful in business. Fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. 1 Corinthians 4, verse 2. Moreover, it is required and steward that a man be found faithful. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord, as every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Wherefore, beloved, Seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. We look at the third servant, see a different picture. Irresponsible, we would say. He was somewhat active. He saved the Lord's gift so that he could retrieve it sometime. But he didn't want all the work, I don't believe. He was afraid maybe that God would require more of him. Maybe he was too busy with his own things and figured he'd do something with it when he retired and had more time on his hands. Maybe he didn't expect his Lord to be back so soon. His excuse was, yes, I knew what you wanted, 
But I was afraid. Luke 21, verses 34 and 35, And take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life. And so that day come upon you unawares, for as a snare shall it come on all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. And James 4, verse 17, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. So the four lessons from the servants, immediate action and immediate use of God's gifts. That's our procrastination is lost opportunity. Also, number two, our efforts will not be in vain. Three, whether one talent or five, it is all equal responsibility to do it as to the Lord. And four, our human nature is to classify our gifts. And maybe, maybe we feel that we are um, gifted and responsible for something that is of little value. Remember, these are gifts that are from God. They're not our gifts. And they're all a part of his plan no matter where we serve. We see in verse 19, After a long time the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. The day of our reckoning is coming too. Jesus is coming back. Maybe, it's, maybe it seems like it's been a long time in the eyes of men. He told the disciples that he was coming back. And we are still reading that in the Bible. It's been a long time for mankind. But he says in Revelation 3.11, Behold, I come quickly. And also Romans 14, 12. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. It's God's mercy that he hasn't come yet, I believe. And quite literally, I believe he is waiting on you and me. Waiting for us to complete his work. And giving us a chance and others to do it with their whole hearts. Second Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Another quote, this is from Horace Bushnell, One more revival, only one more, is needed. The revival of Christian stewardship, the consecration of the money power to God. When that revival comes, the kingdom of God will come in a day. We alone will not hold God back, but very challenging words. Could it be that we are the reason for the delay? Let's purpose in our hearts to be as the two faithful servants. We see that there is a blessing, a tremendous blessing in faithfulness. Those words that the Lord said to them when they showed their gain and investment, well done, thou good and faithful servant, and also enter into the joy of thy Lord. And you'll notice I skipped over that um, I will make you ruler over many things. It's not about ruling or prestige or any position whatsoever. It's about taking our responsibilities seriously serving faithfully where we are called. And God will give us a fulfilling and meaningful life. Hence, the enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Not only do we have the uh, joy of heaven and eternity to look forward to, but we can have a little bit of, of heaven on earth, you could say, when we wholeheartedly give ourselves to God's kingdom. All right, blessing for the profitable, profitable but damnation to the unprofitable servant. Any fulfillment and purpose in life was taken from him, and his final destination we see was hellfire. In verse 30, And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now I said we would look at some practical things and how we can invest wisely as profitable servants of God. Like I said earlier, it's not even possible to separate our earthly spending and investing from our spiritual life. It says everything about us. 
God has given us so much, and even the ones I'm going to talk about um, and challenge us with are not nearly all of them. And I hope that we can take some of our own personal things and, and apply like our gifts, our experiences, and apply scripture to them ourselves. The first one I have is very basic. Um, God has given us life. Every breath we take is from God in the first place. How are we taking care of our life? Good stewards of our health and, and well-being, I think, are important. Remember the sacredness of life. Speaking of life, God has given us children. Maybe we are not parents or grandparents, but we all are influenced by children. And the most important factor is, what is our influence on children, especially the parents? But everyone else, young people, grandparents, it's almost certain there's at least one or few and likely more uh, for teachers, a whole classroom of children that look up to you. Are we taking that investment seriously? We look in the Old Testament and shudder how the ungodly would offer their children in sacrifices to their gods. Could we be doing the same thing by leading them astray, not being there for them in their many questions and their little fears as small children? And as they grow older, are we there for them in their bigger questions and uncertainties of life, teaching them what fulfilling life is all about? If all we have time for is work, we are sacrificing them to work. If we are consumed by sports and games and trophies or medals, we are sacrificing them to those things. We are teaching them that those things are the things to live for. Rather, we should be showing them that, or what real fulfillment in life is all about. Serving God and others and making investment in eternal goods. God has given us money and earthly goods. We cannot do without and as we said, money is essential to our well-being. Money is part of our life, and so much a part of our life that we don't think twice sometimes where and how we spend it. Would it be fair to say that we spend $25 a day on excess things per family or couple or young person? I struggle with coming up with a fair amount, and maybe I'm revealing myself when I use this number, but it'll help us think a little. Some maybe spend more and some less. Um, most of the hardworking men get paid at least that amount in an hour, $25 an hour. So $25, um, what do we have, 20 units of $25? We got at least that in young people here this morning, but I know not all of you are always here. Um, $25 used on unnecessary things every day, like, say, let's coffees, candy, pop, Spotify and iTunes accounts, Ski hill passes, eating out, cell phone bills, you name it. None of these things are wrong in themselves, but all the small insignificant stuff we don't think about. So if you had 20 units of $25, that's $500 right there in one day. So that's $15,000 a month. And right there we have the payment for the church building we were worried about affording. Maybe it's not God's will for a bigger church building either. But do we really think about where we are putting our money? Quite frankly, I think some of us, at least at different points in our life, could sacrifice even more than that if we really put our mind to it. And there's the other side of it, too. There's sometimes we couldn't afford $25 in anything. And think of all the good we could do if we invested in worthwhile things. In all of this, let's not get hung up on the amount, though. Just simply invest in kingdom work. Matthew Sleeth, 
quote, um, human ownership is an illusion. How can creatures that die own anything, no matter what you temporarily lay claim to or control? One thing is certain, in 100 years, you will no longer own it. If we remember that our money and our things are not our own, it won't be so hard to put the money and the things that we have to good use. God has given us time. Are we making good use of our time? We all enjoy hobbies and recreation, and I think they have their place. But really, I think only if they glorify God. Too often our hobbies and recreation take time away from God rather than time with God. It is possible to have quality time with God on the mountainside hunting um, or on a lake fishing or maybe even skiing down a mountainside. But any time these put us in vulnerable positions and take us away from God's work, then we need to question whether it is a good investment, whether we're being a good steward of our time. Do our hobbies lift us up? In other words, does it bring glory to God or glory to ourselves? God has given us opportunity, and this will vary among us all, but some advantages we have here, specifically in North America, are freedom to spread the word, freedom to travel, freedom to make considerably more than we really need. And really, I think that's true for all of us, whether we like it or not. Uh, We have more than we really, really need. All of the freedoms we have can be used as opportunities to further God's kingdom. God has given us each other. Are we building each other up? God has placed you, each of us, in the specific group of people here this morning. He placed us where he wanted us. Um, He knows how we can build each other up and be a thriving community and brotherhood in Christ. Does it feel like you don't belong or that too much is asked of you to fit in? Be a good steward. Get out of your comfort zone and invest your time and energy in each other. In God's kingdom. I really believe that all of us here this morning belong here. We don't know where in the world he may lead us down the road. Some of you are visiting as well. Um, But how are we investing in this brotherhood? Let's work together and make it a brotherhood that others will want to be a part of. You know, this is something that no matter where we end up, we will always carry the influence and memory of this group. How we invest in it now will make all the difference of our future here or elsewhere. God has given us the gift of forgiveness. He has forgiven us, but what do the scriptures say about us forgiving others? That we can actually forgive others and leave it behind us, and then in turn, God forgives us. That's truly a gift. The most valuable gift he entrusts to us, I suppose. Maybe included with this gift is the gift of choice. The gift of choice we can so easily change into a curse if we let it. But God intended to be the most valuable gift we have. Choose to follow God and his way. We already talked a little bit of the blessing of fulfillment and the joy we can have being servants of the Lord and investing what he has given to us into kingdom building. We saw also the reward of eternal life for the faithful servant. We personally have the gift of heaven awaiting us if we simply choose to invest all our life to his cause. What are you invested in? John D. Rockefeller said, I never would have been able to tithe the first million dollars I ever made if I had not tithed my first salary, which was $1.50 per week. Whether it's money, 
our time, our future, our opportunities, our second chances. Wherever and whatever God has entrusted to us, remember it is of the Lord. And let's invest to God's glory. Let's kneel for prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for your love. We thank you for this opportunity to be here together as a group to worship you. We thank you for each one that is here, those of us who attend here regularly and those who are here visiting. We thank you for each one. Bless the visitors in their callings, wherever they are going. Thank you, Lord, for the young people. It's a future. I pray that you would help them to be strong, help them to invest wisely in your kingdom. And um, those of us who are middle-aged and older, help us to keep investing and to not lose heart. Pray for those who are lost. Lord, just touch their lives. Thank you for friends and family and brotherhood. Help us to be there for each other and build each other up. And bless us all as we go through our weekly activities. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.